0: This is Box Elder School District Super Scoop, a podcast about the happenings in Box Elder School District. Today,
1: we are with Superintendent Steve Carlson. Okay, we're here again today with another podcast. I'm here with David Blake, who is my partner in crime in these podcasts. We're here to talk about something that's really cool. Uh, I've been part of it a little bit not part of it i've been able to understand what it's what it is and and uh we're here with heidi jansen who's an English teacher out here in in Bear River High School. And we're here with Jamie Marble, who's also an English teacher. She's actually the head of the English department here at at Bear River High School. And we're also here with Kelby Jackson, who's an instructional coach at Bear River High School. And they've really come up with a really cool intervention program. And just for people out there that are, you know, maybe unfamiliar with what we're trying to do at Box Elder School District is we have what's called the Professional Learning Community. And that's where people work together to develop what it is that they want to teach the students and then they also work together on how to assess what the students are learning and then once they assess that they look at what the students are doing and and saying did they understand it and if they didn't what can we do to help them understand it and actually learn because we're all about learning it used to be in the old days when when I was a teacher it was all about teaching, and we believed that, that I'm, I'm going to teach them up, and they better figure it out and get what they can get. Now we're all about learning, and that's what this program is is about, is, is, is the intervention program to uh, help us. And so I'm going to start out and just kind of give this a general, tell me what Tell me how this, this you know, even though we talk about intervention a lot in, in our PLC model, it is basically the third question, correct? Mm-hmm. What is it? We want the kids to know is number one question. How are we going to find out what they do know? And then number three is, what are we going to do if they don't know? And then just for the audience's sake, what do we do if they do know? How do we give extensions and whatnot?
0: Okay.
2: Um, so I'm going to start. Um, one, kind of the thing that got this rolling was last April, the secondary coaches got to attend a conference on coaching a PLC team. Um, And what we walked away with that was the strategy implementation guide. Um, And where I was a brand new coach that year, um, coming from the ELA department, I was like, well, I'm going to give this kind of tool yeah. to the ELA team. Um
1: Kelby, can I interrupt you? Yeah, please do. Tell people out there what the ELA is. Now, we're, oh. we're a profession right. of acronyms, so <laughs> tell them what that is.
2: English Language Arts. Okay, so that
1: that's the English program, the Department yeah, Language the Arts program. Yep. Very good. Go ahead. Keep going.
2: Yeah. So... um I asked them if they would mind being my guinea pigs with this strategy implementation guide, and they were awesome, and said absolutely. Um, So, In that process, we had them do like a self-assessment to see where they were at um, in the PLC process and to find areas that they could improve. Um, And then when they came back together as a PLC, they determined that their interventions were the areas that they were struggling with the most um, in the PLC process. So I'm going to let Heidi kind of share how she came up with the reading idea, and then we'll let Jamie share, because it was ultimately these two were the brains behind the reading idea.
1: So So first Heidi Jensen's going to go, just to make (laughs) sure we're clear. That was Kelby that was just doing the speaking.
3: (laughs) So... So I'm Heidi Jensen, and um, I started looking at my kids. Well, let me back up. We went to a conference, and they talked a lot about reading and how kids are not reading. And we've done a lot of units on reading, and we feel like our kids are getting more into the reading, that they feel more comfortable with it. We even have students that come out back and say, man, I have not read in forever, but this book drew me in. I was so excited to read it. And so we, we knew we were having success. But we also knew there was a lot of kids that just aren't really avid readers that we were not having success with. And one of the questions I had... Um, Sorry, at the conference there's there was a program introduced where they have books that are they are changed into text messages and so the kids can read the book but it's actually text messaging and so they get the whole book in that format and and they felt like kids would understand that better. And I thought, do I really know what my kids reading levels are? Mm-hmm. Like I'm teaching tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade and do I really know? Like I'm just giving them literature and saying, Read this, but I'm not checking like when did we stop? checking in on these kids to make sure they actually were understanding. And how many of these kids were pretending and not getting it and walking away with nothing or even more hate for reading. And so that's when I came back to my department and said guys, I, we need to start something that will help our students read, but we also need to check in and find out what can we do to verify that. Like we, we try not to embarrass the kids a lot. So there's not a lot of out loud reading or popcorn reading that goes on in the sense of checking on them or even verifying their skill sets. And so I want to put something else in place that would help them develop those reading skills in a more comfortable environment that would let them succeed. And also let us check in on them at this higher level where we just haven't had those things in place so that was what I was looking for was structure and then I'm going to turn it over to Jamie to tell about well if
1: I could oh, yes. ask you a couple of questions and maybe make Please. a couple of statements <laughs> is I I really liked what you had to say there because in education we used to say a lot that we teach students to read by the 3rd grade so that they can read to learn after the 3rd grade mm-hmm. but that was, was a really high goal to say, hey, well, we're going to have all of our kids reading at grade level of third grade. And if they're not reading at grade level of third grade, it's not like they, it, it seems like they, they trail off and they, they go down. So I think what you're saying is, is, is really, really important.
4: Last year was actually really interesting timing for all of this to have happened in the first place. The state released new updated language arts standards. Um, and as we were kind of going through that and looking at the differences, one of the things that Kelby actually pointed out to our department was that the majority of our curriculum was spent teaching writing instruction. We were really heavy on the writing skills and all of that sort of stuff, but we were not neglecting reading instruction, but we didn't have as much engagement with reading. We didn't have as much explicit instruction with reading, and we we weren't teaching explicit skills for them to be actually able to process over things. We were kind of just like a hey, stick with it, work on your focus sort of approach, at least for me personally. And it was a weakness in my skill level as a teacher that bothered me a lot. Um, And so we started talking about, okay, if we're going to explicitly teach reading, what does that even look like? Because we were so writing-focused. In the majority of our classes um, and so I started talking with some of the people in the department and with Kelby's help and we essentially were like okay well we have this resource this map test that the district is having students take on reading that gives them scores in five different categories for their literacy ability what if We figured out what all five of those scores were. We figured out which students were struggling in which areas and then just gave them reading instruction in whichever area they were the lowest in. That way we could see some growth. And that was kind of like a... It almost felt like a first-year college student idea, where it was like, that seems straightforward and easy, and we can do that. Um, but then immediately after that, it got so much bigger, um, and we we ended up being able to develop an entire intervention program that we implemented school-wide this year, um, just based off of that core idea.
0: Well, the thing that impressed me of what you were saying is that you had been teaching for... A few years and thought you were strong because you went to college, you learned how to teach language arts, right? And then you looked at it and you're like, wait, I have some weaknesses. Let's try and increase those weaknesses, which is, to me, is an amazing uh, personality trait to have to say, I want to increase the things that I'm not doing well at because I want the kids to learn better. So that was awesome that you were able to look at that stuff and say, where can I get better to help my students Learn more.
4: Yeah. I'm just going to plug Kelby, too, because she's such an approachable coach that can be like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you figure, like, can you work with me? Can you help me out of this? Because she has a whole master's degree in reading stuff. And so I was like, I don't have that, but you do. Can you please help me? Because just I of, have no idea how to approach this.
1: Out of curiosity, is there a master's in reading stuff? Not There is. Not there a, sure <laughs> is. There is sure.
4: And I have it.
1: Yeah. Well, can I just point something out? Something you said, you know, and I I'm in in this podcast whenever I can. I'm always trying to explain and to preach the professional learning community model or and it's not a model for us, it's the way we do business. You said something that that I think is really important and one of the things in order to have a good professional learning community, it means everybody's working together, but they also show vulnerability. And you said, I just don't know how to do that. And in the professional learning community, you come together to go to somebody that has the strength to help you with those weaknesses. And that's one of the strengths of the professional learning community because it's a community that we work off of each other because not everyone has all of the, the skills and the abilities to, to do everything, but if you work together, you learn those. And so I'm really happy that these things are kind of coming out in the middle of talking about intervention. And so so this intervention program now started in a small group, but now I heard school-wide. So yes. whomever wants to explain what that means, have at it.
4: Well, I guess the, the idea from the start... Like for me, when I first was like, how do I do this? And I was trying to kill you first. So I was like, okay without like an intervention time built into our school schedule, because we don't have a study hall here except for on Fridays anymore, um, we were asked to implement a 20-minute intervention in our classes for students to make sure that they were getting that intervention time still. And so I had talked to Kelby and I was like, what I want to do is sort my students into their lowest category for their MAPS tests and then have assignments on intervention days where they just work on whatever skills they need to be working on and like just set all of it up that way. And that seems like a solid approach. But then Kelby actually told me that Heidi had been talking about doing something similar in her classes, and we thought, okay, well, what if we went full elementary school and we just started shuffling students between classrooms and had a classroom dedicated to each of those five different categories that students were being sorted to in the first place, Um, and then we developed a curriculum for those students to get the intervention that we needed. That way, we could access more students at once.
0: So when you talk about going full elementary, you're looking at every kid... Mm -hmm. And you're saying, okay, here's where they're strong. Here's where they're weak. We're going to take their weakness and we're going to build that up so that that's not a weakness anymore. Um, but it's a whole school-wide type of thing. Yes. Which, like Steve said, that's amazing to try and get <laughs> all of those students organized into the data to know where every kid is. It's a lot yeah, of data. It's, that is. The
4: spreadsheets are pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of work,
0: too. <laughs> yeah.
1: As she looks at us through blood-stained eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So go ahead and keep explaining, you know, how you've, you know, keep explaining how you pulled this all together.
2: Right. Um, so after they came to me with their ideas, we, we brought the attention to the team, you know, getting the team on board with these two's idea, like... I cannot take credit for it at all." Um, And the team was like, absolutely, like, yes, we do need to focus on intervention and reading really is our low point because as Jamie said, in college, English teachers are not taught how to teach reading. They're taught to read a book and then to pick out concepts and ideas and write a paper about it. That's what English teachers are taught in college, but we are not taught how to intervene on students who don't have the ability to pull out those concepts in reading, who don't have the ability to read that level of text, as we mentioned earlier. Um, So after we got the team, after they got the team on board, um, through the use of the strategy implementation guide, um, it was a matter of going to the core, figuring out, okay, what does the core tell us about these five map Areas, um, and so we actually. If I, if I yeah. could
1: just interject, when they talk about the core, and this is mostly for the audience, it's the Utah State Board of Education's English core. Yes. And the, the the problem with that is is when the teachers talk about going to the core. It's not really a core, it's like the whole apple and it might be the whole uh, bushel full of apples. And what these ladies are talking about is really getting down to the basics that they know they have time to teach and they know they have time to intervene on. So when you talk about, you take this great big broad thing and you have to really get down to the real things that you feel like you can, and we talk about guaranteed, viable curriculum, that means we have enough time to do it and it's, it's... what it's supposed to be, so it builds on itself, and then we also can intervene on it. So I'm I'm throwing in some more professional learning community gobbledygook in there for everybody else. And so what you're doing, I'm I'm loving this, by the way. Just I feel like I feel like my time here and and, pre, and my previous school districts, I've been part of this same thing, and I I just feel like a proud. Daddy. And almost almost like a, I look at you guys. I've got somebody that's close to your age getting married this summer, grandson. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, keep going. I hope I didn't interrupt your thoughts. But no, you're go good.
2: Um, so we went to the state core, um, and we looked at the reading standards for 11th grade. We chose 11th grade because it was right in the middle of the three grade levels here at Bear River High School. And honestly, the core does not change Pretty much at all from 10th to 11th to 12th grade. Um, So that's why we went to the 11th grade curriculum. And we looked at all of the reading standards and pulled out all of the verbs, all of the, like, vocabulary words. Like, we dissected all of those reading standards to figure out exactly what the state wants and needs students to be doing with reading Mm -hmm. um and so once we were able to pull those out um we spent about four hours doing that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um as a as a team Mm -hmm. um trust land funds paid for subs and such um, to do that work. Very good. Um,
1: that's perfect use for what we right. want to do that with.
2: Um, and so once we figured out what the core is asking these students to be doing with their reading, that's when we looked at, okay, here are the topics, in the map test, the five categories here are the topics from the state core. How do they align? And so, what we did was essentially there are nine core topics for the five map topics
1: okay. does, does that make sense yeah to me it does okay yeah. Yeah. well i, I have to understand Total. it too but, yes. yeah you know when you keep saying maps maybe i to just take a quick moment and tell people what our maps testing what we use it for i know that's that's hard but uh, go ahead <laughs>
3: So, so map testing has replaced the core testing we were doing and it's one of I've been here for 23 years and it's a test that I feel like is super accurate for student growth and so I I highly highly encourage people to use it but map testing allows a student to take a test it's adaptive as they're answering the questions if they don't answer correctly it gives them an easier question uh, if they answer the question um, incorrectly anyway it goes up and down yep. um, the bottom line is every student will miss 50 percent of the questions to get to where they're at and so it'll show us the end result is the report will show the student where are you at for this particular category whether it be like do, key ideas and details or whatever that category is. It'll give them a, a focus point. And it's just theirs. It's not based on any other student. Yep. It's based on them. And I love that because it shows, like, we can test them at the beginning of the year and then test them in the middle of the year, and they're going to see that growth that they have, or maybe it dropped, um, and they can look at that and say, what happened and why did I not grow? And so this is not like a test that you can get 100% on. Yep. this is a, It's not
1: scored. We're just is, looking. We're trying to f- assess where the kids are in their learning.
3: <clears throat> yes. So I love the MAP test because it's an assessment that actually shows growth as opposed to you can able to guess really well on multiple choice. Yeah. So I Very love good. it.
1: Well, thank you for ex- explaining that because I think yeah. that's, you know, yeah. and once again of our four big questions, how do we know what the kids and this map test is really beneficial in, yeah. in, in helping us learn that? So I'm, I'm not sure where we were. I keep interrupting to clarify things, but if you can keep it going, <laughs> Kelby, you're awesome. Because this old mind kind of wanders
2: sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had the nine um, language arts standard topics Mm -hmm. for the five map topics Um, but we have 10 weeks of intervention time in a trimester um, at Bear River High School Box Elder School District Um, and so we were like okay we need one more idea well let's practice fluency right let's give these kids different strategies that they can use and implement in their everyday life that will get them to read faster yeah um so every every content for the reading intervention starts out with a fluency practice strategy content um and like a lot of the students feedback was that worked Mm -hmm. like the strategies that you gave me that worked for me that's
1: How awesome is that when a, teach, when a student tells that to a teacher? Is that just, I mean, that's what this is all about. Somebody, that instant feedback is tremendous, so go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: I just wanted to say, there's also something really magical about telling the student, I just want you to do it as fast as you possibly can, and then being like, I don't have to remember anything. Like, no, no, you don't. Just do yeah. it as fast as you possibly can. And then they compete with each other, yeah. and it's cute, okay. and they've got a little bit more fight in the game.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
4: Um.
2: That's kind of all. I don't know yeah. what else you want well, I, for building ahead, this. Dave,
0: well, I was just, I was just um, thinking like, so you've put in all of this work, you've done all of this thing, you've done it for this whole trimester. Is that correct, or have you done it so far this year? The, whole the year. entire year. The entire year. Yes. What benefits not only because it's easy to talk about academic benefits and you can say oh this kid from the growth that they made whatever but not only academic benefits but uh kids um ability to want to learn kids uh self confidence what kind of benefits have you seen from working with the students on this
3: so i have have a story it's it's kind of cool so because the way we have it set up is they come to our reading groups for 25 minutes at the beginning of the hour, and then they go back to their assigned classes after that. And it is confusing sometimes. We only see them once a week, so I don't always learn their names necessarily really fast because it's once a week, 25 minutes, gone. But I, there was a student who came in, and the teacher who had this student said, I can never get any work from this student, nothing. They don't write, they just put their head down. The day that he wrote something for me, I was in her room with the paper saying, I don't know what I did, but look, he did something, and it was just cool. And so it's almost like they it allows them to shift a little bit. Like it's, it's a change in their schedule and it's a different face. And I didn't connect with everyone. There were some students that were like, Yeah, none of this. But honestly, it helps a ton to have those groups because um, what I saw was I would have kids come in from AP English, USU English classes, pull-out reading classes. So my groups are a mixture of all these kids. And all of a sudden I have kids that are super high ability to super low, but with the skill we're doing, they can all do it. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of support each other. And it's fun to see those behaviors that might happen in a, like a pull-up class where you've got a lot of kids that are struggling, they're all struggling, and now you've got a group where you've got kids that are not struggling, all the ones that are, it, t- it brings on a different behavior and a different, um, like, atmosphere, and it makes it stronger. So even though it can be really chaotic, and every Friday we're like, reading groups, and like, oh, yeah, and I'll take all the reading groups, it has been a really awesome thing to to see how these groups are actually helping the students change the way they think about learning because they're not in that same box that they've been in when they go to the classes where their same friends are there all the time. So I, I that's a big, big bonus I've seen.
0: And you talked about trading kids and what kind of, how has this brought your team closer together? And in education, there's a word that's called collective efficacy, right? Like. Knowing that as a team, we can get students to move. So how has this process kind of helped you, your team build closer together, but also believe that you can get students to move?
4: Um, The beginning of this year and like over the summer when we started building this sort of stuff, we kind of understood that it was going to be a massive undertaking. Like we, we have 45 different lesson plans throughout this whole thing. Um, we have all of these different moving parts and we had to, the spreadsheets and the data sorting and the tracking everything and getting lists out and making sure that everyone was going where they needed to be and trying to keep track of attendance and student progress and just so many different moving parts to this process that we didn't nec- like we had to kind of build a lot of it as we were going through it. Um, but one of the things that we noticed at the beginning of the school year when we were starting the program is that All of us were kind of like buzzing a little bit where it was like, we have this big giant common goal that we've all invested mostly equal amounts of time into. And we've all like made it a priority to change our curriculum, to fit this in and to shift things around to make sure that we're supporting people. We're gonna meet students we might never have gotten to teach in the first place. And there was this this sense of, we are all working on the same thing and we are all gonna tackle the same dragon and we're all gonna try to fight the same battles. And all of us, I think, collectively did kind of get on the same side all at once. And even just in terms of, like, every different group has their own set curriculum, but because all of the lesson plans are structured the same way and paced the same way, it was like the entire department was sharing curriculum. a whole trimester and all of a sudden we all had a stronger sense of what was going on in each other's classrooms we had a better sense of what other people were doing when we were struggling with like ways that lesson plans were built it was like okay i'm not sure how to approach this do you have anything similar in your curriculum set and we were sharing strategies and we were working so closely together in plc outside of plc that like I mean, this is my third year teaching at this school, but I feel like I know these people so well just based on the last six months alone. Um, and so it, it's been amazing for our relationships with each other. Um, and it's it's bleeding over into our curriculum outside the intervention program. Um, and I think we're all really comfortable with each other now because we all had to be, again, really vulnerable, but we also all had to admit weaknesses and admit like we didn't know what we were doing all the time. And it gave us all a sense of confidence and security with each other i
0: think that's awesome so kelby's reached out to me and said hey like the (coughs) math department wants to try something like this Um, knowing what you know now if somebody wanted to start this what advice would you give them where would they start what what kind of things would you say like start here be
1: prepared for this
4: get really good at spreadsheets. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: or or somebody who like is really good at They are math teachers. That's supposed to be their thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah they just think <laughs> maybe. They like yeah. calculators. Yeah. Things. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I think my advice that I would give would be kind of what Jamie was just saying. They need to be open and honest with each other. They need to be able to be vulnerable and they need to figure out their own personal weaknesses in their teaching and their own personal strengths in their strengths, strengths, ooh, edit that so yeah. that, that cool. um in their teaching. Um, because when they are able to see their weak areas and their strong areas, um, that's gonna help them to, build their team up together so that they are a stronger team and a stronger teacher individually Um, so that's my advice is to start by being vulnerable well
1: I you know one of the I'm going to bring up professional learning communities again the bible for the professional learning communities is the learning by doing book Mm -hmm. and it talks about a chapter in there and it talks about the Russian roulette the chance that a, a parent takes putting another student into a class is that teacher going to be effective but with this system you work together and you you show your vulnerabilities you learn from each other the chance of having that for lack of a better word the bullet from the russian roulette having that bad teacher diminishes greatly that everybody you know and when you have a well functioning professional learning community you can rest assured that whomever your child's classroom they go into teacher's classroom they're going to they're be well educated and well, well taken care of it. One other go thing ahead. I was
3: going to add to that was just and this is just for the like the end product so we did this first trimester and then for second trimester we did the exact same lesson so we had a chance so this trimester has been a lot smoother because we've already gone through the lessons we've known what works best how to make sure we get the pacing right in that 25 minutes we also went from 20 to 25 minutes because we originally had it for 20 minutes Um, fridays is when we gather all of our data well that's when we do the groups but so that's when we gather the data from students and we put it in and that takes some time and at the beginning it was it was a little frustrating because it took so much time just becoming familiar with the spreadsheets knowing how to to put the student scores in making that balance making that fit into our plc anyway everything was just new and so it was slower. But it has definitely become more streamlined. And so at the beginning it was frustrating. I know there's times I'd walk away and go, I don't have time for this. This is taking so much of my brain power. I'm exhausted. It's end of the week. I'm not ready for Monday now because I was working on reading group stuff and I didn't really think about my lesson for Monday now. Um, but ha- after having that first trimester of the turbulence, I have to say this trimester has been so smooth and it's so fast. And it the the debt we put the data in, we we get it in quickly. It's just it's been a, a like a huge change, and so I think if they just know it's gonna take, it's gonna be rough at the beginning. It's rough. It is a huge bunch of data you're putting in. You're handling a lot of students you don't know their names. You're trying to figure out how do I get to that connection, that relationship with them when I only see them once a week. There's just a lot of things involved. One thing we did change, which helped a ton, is we take role in the reading groups, and so. But the, the kids still were like, "Yeah, there's no penalty. Like they'll take roll." But my teacher's not even gonna see that. So we started just writing on post notes, which kids had not come to our group, and giving that post note at the end of the day to the teacher who had those students. And it took just like a couple minutes to do that, and immediately the kids were like, "Oh." I got marked tardy 25 minutes into the hour because I didn't attend reading groups, but I attended my class period. I'm in yeah. trouble now. So it took just a slight change in what we were doing to make that effective. So there's, been, there's definitely been some bumps along the way, but I feel like what we have now is, is working. And I don't know if we're ready to talk about end results yet because... <laughs> That's something I think is really cool, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's finish with end results and where we're doing and how you're doing with that.
3: So I have, to, I have to preface this with saying I went into my map testing for my 11B kids, and I was devastated. I'm like, oh, this doesn't look very good. So I came to Kelby, and I said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm looking this correctly or what I'm doing, but it doesn't look very good. And so she went, and she put some numbers together for me because I was teaching and not able to do that. And she came back, and she said, look at your numbers. And it, it was two-thirds had increased, and only one-third had gone down. And the two-thirds had increased. I had one student increase by 13 points, like a growth of 13 points, which is a huge, huge jump. Great. It was 99% growth. Wow, It was oh. awesome. Oh. And so then I said, well, I, I don't do the 10th grade, but I know the 10th grader testing. Can you check those out? So Kelby put, came and put the, pulled the map data together. And what we found, and this was the coolest part. Sorry, I get so excited because no, it's no, like, awesome. oh, yeah. what we found. Was that students who um, took the MAP test? If their score went up, it went up the most in the reading group they are currently in. Wow. Oh, wow. And if wow. Their, their overall score went down, their score in their reading group still went up.
1: Wow. Oh, and wow. So, <laughs> wow. Talk about great, great
3: It's working.
1: Data.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 So
2: I get a little emotional.
0: (laughs) Well, it's awesome because you're excited about kids learning. Like that's when you look at the data, you're like, look at this kid. No, you're talking about kids learning and you get excited about it. And that's really what teaching is, is watching kids learn and grow.
3: But it also tell me, hey, all that time and effort you put into it, it's worth it because look at their growth. Um, we also do something, and I didn't generate this. I think Kelby did the reports that we do. Um, these guys, I love that they know how to make this happen because I wouldn't. We don't know David. <laughs> oh, David oh, thank Blake, you, David. David. Thank you. So David we don't actually. like has value. <laughs> <laughs> every, oh, time I, every time I throw him an email, help. Yes, help. every time. <laughs> <Help>. um, <laughs> So we do reports for the kids, and you just happen to come on the day we're giving reports out today. So the kids get a report of those different lessons we've done, and so they see the end result of lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, and it shows them how they did. It also t- gives them encouragement to pr- proceed and look at the ones that they're lower in and use that as a focal point for their growth in the future. And it's just been really positive. I hear kids saying, "What did you? How did you do? Did you improve?" And it's just really fun to hear them talk about, you know, the data that they have and this little report that just tells them, here's your data, and now you can use it to keep your education growing. And right now, we don't have this attached to grades, and it hasn't seemed to be a deterrent. That's awesome. They still work hard. They still want to see it happen. Even the kids that are like, I don't really want to do this, if I sit down and talk to them one-on-one, they usually pick up their pencil and try. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really positive thing.
1: Well, I I really like, you know, in, in the past, I don't know, 12, 15 years from No Child Left Behind we started Using the word proficiency all the time. And I've always wanted to say hey, you got to take the kids from where they are and help them grow. Yes. And growth is is what it's all about, and mm-hmm. and you know this proficiency thing is nice if everybody's proficient, but not everybody is, and, and we can only help them to grow, and that's what your jobs are as educators is to take them where they are, find out where that is, and then help them to to grow, and if you do a good job, you help them to grow at least. A year, yeah. but if you do a really good job, they might get, you know, a year, two years, three years of growth. Of, mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about academic years, just for the, you know, the listeners. So I, I this is this has been very rewarding because um, sometimes you know I'm 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 in my 42nd year, and sometimes you're wondering you're wondering, is all this stuff that we do really get to the end of the line? Is the water get to the end of the road where kids? are actually learning and this is this is great stuff that that it's getting better so david any thoughts anything you guys would like to tie in as we as we try to wrap this awesome podcast up today this is really this is really awesome for an educational podcast people across the the america and the world should listen to this one they'd they'd all be jealous of us right of of what these folks are doing well
0: the excitement that comes from like watching kids learn yeah that's that's the thing that is awesome about this group is the excitement that comes from i'm being vulnerable i need to learn more so that my kids can learn more, and then excitement that they did, they learned
1: more. Well, as David and I walked out of the district office talking about whatever we were talking about, I mentioned something about burnout, and teaching is one of the highest burnout professions that there is. And you tell me, has this revved your inches as, about as much as anything can to make you not be burned out to help rejuvenate? Yeah. Yeah. Speak on that is maybe it, just a hair.
4: All of the data at the beginning, I think we were, we were pretty tired. It, the majority of us have about 150 students each. And yes. each of those students has their five breakdown scores and their overall scores. So we're looking at six wow. data points for all 150 of those kids for all seven of us. And so it, it, was, a, it was a lot um, yeah. there at the beginning because... Just logistically, it was a significant amount of effort, I think, on everyone's part. I think we were all, every second we could spare, like, okay, I can do five more scores really quick, just trying to get it all tracked and logged where we needed it to. Um, And like Heidi said at at the beginning, it was like, this is maybe not worth the amount of work that it's been, and we kind of... Had dips in the trimester oh, yeah. where it's like we can't get the students motivated. What if they're not buying in? Oh my gosh, am I doing it wrong? Do I know anything about reading? Maybe I don't. Um, and so we kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna push. And this this second trimester where we knew we were gonna get data at the end, yeah. and where we knew the curriculum, and we were familiar, and we were working together better, and those relationships had all improved. I think for for our team, I I, I think I've seen a lot of us fight off the burnout. Out significantly awesome. more. I think it's it's been great for us. And well, when we are burnt out, we can just go hang out each other's rooms and be like, I I don't have a brain today. Can can I borrow yours? Yeah. <laughs> just figure out what's going on. And it's it's been really awesome.
1: Honestly, I believe if you can help kids be successful with with reading, yeah. then they can take care of uh, you know social studies and they can read their science stuff and they can they can do everything else. So yeah. it's it's really key. And so thank you. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, this, is, this has been a really, really good podcast. And I see hard work getting, you know, getting um, recognized, in, you know, intrinsically, but also, you know, <laughs> extrinsically by, I'm hopeful, you know, your administrative staff and certainly David and I. Thank you for listening to our
0: Super Scoop podcast. You can follow us on any major streaming services and remember to subscribe so you can get updates when our next podcast will be released.